Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Vox Markets Podcast. Welcome to Hot Stocks. It is Thursday, the 5th of October. 2023 live of course on youtube if you listen to this on on the podcast uh join us live and you can um you know join in the chat and stuff paul's here full-time you know investor equity analyst in the markets and i tell you what these markets are wearing paul especially if you're on it like you and i are constantly looking at the markets so we can't switch it off it's so you know it does suck the energy out of you doesn't it you know Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically a death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? And until we get a handle on the uh, US 10-year Treasury, it's got to stabilise. I mean, it's just been zooming up. It's gone almost parabolic over the last two months, and that spooked so many people. And I think what um, investors need to bear in mind is that um, it's sucking a lot of liquidity out of the system because not only are people actually you know moving into um into dollar denominated money market funds and into sort of you know the longer duration etc because of the yields are so much but also you've got that, that added problem the the other lead balloon on the market which is QT out in the states and what's happening is that it's sucking dollars out of the whole system which means that essentially it's taking money away from other asset classes and this is what's really sort of like spooking a lot of people because liquidity is coming out and multiples on the stocks are coming down and it's becoming increasingly even harder to, for for decent companies even to raise money so uh that's got it that that 10-year yield on the us treasury has got to stabilize and then, uh, and then, particularly in the small cap and, and, and micro cap, once it does that, and we start start you know start thinking about sort of interest rate cuts, maybe in the US and also hopefully earlier in the UK, then uh, that'll be a good sort of like catalyst for all things small cap. So, how are you faring? I, I'm battered. I am. Yeah, uh, do you know what? It's, it, it is hard, but there's the chart there of the ten-year yield. If that was a stock price and you held that, you'd be loving it, wouldn't you? <laughs> Look at that. Point, point, yeah, point five to four point seven. Wow. Unfortunately, though, bond hmm. yields are inversely yeah. proportioned to bond yeah. prices. So what? What was amazing to me? I mean, I, I posted actually on the internet earlier in the week. If you looked at the last sort of like 26 months since the peak in the ultra long dollar bond market when interest rates were sort of like almost at negative yeah if yeah. you were a reckless fixed income you know sort of dollar denominated ultra long bond treasury owner 26 months ago okay you would have lost nearly 60 percent of the value of that bond holding i mean how can you be recklessly defensive but if you were a bond holder you were and yeah. that's and, that, and that's actually the major problem why we had the banking crisis in March and April, and we've now got it even worse. There's more pain. So that could be also exacerbating the problem because the banks who hold a lot of this sort of like unexploded ordinance on their balance sheet is, are now probably being forced to buy long bonds to cover those those exposures. And um, anyway, yes. we'll, we'll wait and see. Then that, or or, or sell them, sell them, sorry. Sell yeah, them. that's it. That's the, what I'm saying. Why is it? So obviously it's inverse, inversely 
proportional, of course. The share price, uh, the prices of bonds are going down 10 years. So what's happening? What is, uh, who is selling? I mean, of course, we've got lots of uh, Chinese, Russians and Saudis are selling American bonds. But uh, who else is selling you know, long duration bonds there? What's, well, what's the Fed, it, start with the Fed first because it's doing yeah, quantitative yeah, yeah. easing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you've got the US Treasury who are issuing a shed load because we had yes. that... Um, you know the um, the the standoff before you know basically the the, the government standoff and and now they're issuing an unbelievable trillions of dollars of, of new you know issue so those are the guys who are actually you know selling masses and then when it comes to actually you know buyers well people are not getting ahead of that truck you know they're basically saying and so you know that marginal buyer that's that's forcing the yield up essentially just classic sort of massive supply and sort of like contracting demand is pushing the yield up. Yeah, and what's literally worrying, isn't it? Is literally the debt. You know, the company uh, countries going up. And so, I think we saw that stat I read the other day. Uh, the UK government spent more on their interest payments in the last financial year than they did on education. Mm. And so you got you know bond yields going up, issuing more bonds, and then they have to issue more debt to pay that sort of the, the, the coverage yeah. on that. And the, I mean, look at this. This is a inverted yield. So we always, always look at this. Uh, a weekly. Sort of chart, and these red bars signify um, basically recessions. And whenever the yield, so it's the difference between two and ten year. Of course, um, you know, two year yield should be less than the ten year. Uh, but it, when it inverts and it goes the other way around, it dips below this zero line here. That's minus 0.2, tend to have a recession after that happens. Now look where we are right now. Such this is going back as far as 1989. It's never inverted this steeply ever. And so that's a little bit of worry. That's uh, and so it's yeah, uh, but it's, it's now it's even worse now because it's actually re-inverting, as in like you know yeah. it's it's that, that inversion is reducing, and that's yeah. the classic sign of when a recession is actually occurring. And it, yeah. and if and if you actually look at the stats, okay, when it comes to sort of like you know dollar you know requirements etc. If you look at a big picture and say, okay, let's look at the U.S. economy. How many dollars does it need? to service its uh, current account deficit every single year. It's now, because of the sort of like the fiscal irresponsibility of Congress, um, and they're, they're carrying on pay, you know, paying for everything, it's, it's now $2 trillion per year that they have to suck out of the system to be able to just service their um, ongoing you know, current account deficit. $2 trillion. Two, I mean, I'll repeat that. Two yeah. tri- the UK economy is only about four or five trillion. So yeah. it's an enormous yeah, yeah. amount. Um, I did a, a, a calculation once. How, how much is a trillion? If you, if you, you know, if you have the equivalent of seconds, um, so, so one pound is like a second or one dollar is a second, and you got to a trillion. So it's like 31,000 years, uh, a second for one unit. A trillion <laughs> is 31,000 years. That's how much. Uh, trillion is uh but here we are it's a nice little chart that's the aim all share yeah, I know. down this is september look at this september the 8th 2021 47 down now just broke 700 and uh, literally look at that steep uh, out of the last one well, yesterday out of the last 10 sessions nine have been down and this is now, seems to me like you're, almost you're, the final flush, you know. Yeah, you're exactly. You're the expert on this one, Mark, um, uh, Justin. So, is this capitulation? Have we reached? Yes. I mean, well, it's. Do you know what? It's a, look at that. This is called the relative strength index. Doesn't it doesn't get down to twenty very often. And literally, we are pretty much there, nearly. You know. And so, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, you tend to have, a, a, you know, a bounce and then a retest. So, I think we're not far. Off. I genuinely think this is very odd. Maybe it's just me being deluded. I genuinely think that 
uh, we will have a relief rally going into the last few months of the year, December, never, you know, October, September, never good for the markets. Uh, November, December, January are. And I think we'll have a relief rally. And then, you know, inflation is coming down. It is. I mean, we're seeing now, you know, businesses suffering, we're seeing unemployment go up. If you look at the PMI data on construction, it's scary. Uh, and um, so, you know, it is contracting. The real economy is contracting and these effects will be felt for a long time. Even if they stop or even if they reduce by, you know, one percentage or 100, 100 basis points, real world business will still be suffering from these high costs, people tightening their belts. The lag is huge, but the market won't. Once you start seeing that the bank's saying, oh, listen, inflation is coming down, and they, you know, the soundings are quite positive, the interest rates could come down, the market will rally, but the economy will still be tricky for lots of companies who, you know, who have lots of debt or they're consumer-facing, and they're facing a consumer sort of cost-of-living crisis. So it's a difference in the market and the economy. I think the, I think the market could, it's pure speculation, but I think uh, maybe a really, really rally into the, the, the Santa rally there, and then a little rollover, and then a rally, so maybe the second quarter of 2024, and then we're ball market territory, Paul. Strap in. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think it's only a matter of time. We've been massively sold off, and it's yeah. only a matter of time before the market then sees UK interest rates being cut. At the moment, it's been priced in for the second half of next year is the first time that mm. the Bank of England is going to take interest rates down, okay? I yeah. think that'll actually happen in the in the first half rather than the second half. And I've got a sneaky suspicion it could be, it could be Q1. So if that is the case, just because, yeah. not because it, the economy's bullish, because I actually think it's rolling over a damn sight faster than people think, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, you just got to look at sort of, you know, you know, consumer spend, credit card delinquencies, and the housing market, et cetera. So on that base, and there's an election, obviously. So on that basis, I actually think Andrew Bailey's going to cut probably around about March, April time next year. And if, you, if that's right, then I could see, you know, like with you, I could actually see, been a, a late Santa rally, and if there isn't, it will be Q1 in the small caps because they've just been battered. And, 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 and that chart that you put on, which is brilliant, yeah. does yeah. totally demonstrate we've we've not only had that thousand, you know, death of a thousand cuts, but we've now reached that capitulation phase, yeah. the final flush out phase. Have we got rid of all the final sellers? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and look, at, look at this. I mean, if you look, if you want to know how it's affecting the real world economy, you know, mm. I mean, these figures today, look at the construction PMI, you know, 49.9, they're expected to come in at, they come at 45. Now this there, housing equity withdrawal, I'd never heard of that stat before, right? Uh, and basically, I thought, what does that mean? But you realize the knock on of this and look at the mm. chart here basically uh it measures the change in the total value of money borrowed against residential properties so people refinancing their house mortgages to spend on it maybe and that came in look at that it was medicare minus 14.5 billion it came in minus 23.2 billion mm. now the knock on effect of people not releasing equity from their houses not spending in the local economy not doing up their houses has a massive knock on effect and yet the construction figures show that but it's scary i mean i think literally we'll see you know almost inflation really coming down with a plateau and then come down quickly. And I think the Bank of England was thinking, okay, listen, the economy is really suffering. And dual mandate of, of you know, of employment and stable prices. When unemployment starts to tick up and it looks a bit scary, I think they'll start saying, okay, we need to ease back here uh, because it's a little bit worrying as to what's happening, you know? So um, mm. 
Yeah, and another, um, another example. I mean, a classic example of how sentiment is so poor. Even when you get a company that frankly knocks the ball out of the park, and I'm talking this one of Supreme, okay, which yeah. does the sort of the vaping and uh, batteries yeah, and lighting, but they're all affordable products. Yeah, it up it, it put a trading statement out and upgraded its expectations by 13 percent in the yeah. year, and it jumped up. And now it's come all the way back down. And you just yeah. look at it and just think, that's absolutely, frankly, nuts. It's trading at, I don't know what it's, it's trading at a ridiculously low valuation. It's sort of like, you know, six or seven times PE. It's got cash on the balance sheet. And it's doing all the right things in terms of regulation with regard, you know, regards to underage, you know, trying to prevent underage vaping and also, you know, sort of like reducing the um, the cut the the environmental footprint of it by you know putting these reusable. So it's doing absolutely everything. In fact, it's leading yeah. the market in it. It's upgraded expectations, and the shares have got battered. I mean, yeah. that just shows you how dark dark the sentiment is. You, you, you know, it's and and actually that's one probably one of the reasons why the CEO who already owns over half the company basically loaded up again because he just sees this is ridiculously undervalued yeah. and, and, and I, I can't disagree yeah you know how many what's his put his share he's got 57 percent now yeah you know and he's just he's just he's just bought what him and his you know he's just bought basically another hundred and seventy thousand. and i'll come on what the one at the top he's but he's bought a shed like you know, they, yeah. well, there you go. He's, but he's basically bought the close on nearly 400,000, 390,000 pounds worth. I mean, just shows you that how confident he is at a price of over £1.25 on average. Yeah. I mean, the guy, if you want to know a guy who knows what the business is doing and, and how it's leading the industry, <laughs> he's the chap to speak to. Yeah, probably, again, there's a lot of companies in, you know, areas where, you know, sentiment's been hit massively. Like Leisure's another one. And I, I just think, you know, as soon as we get this, um, you know, this, this positive talk from the central banks that interest rates may be now, and we've plateaued and they're coming down, I think they'll rally strongly because a lot of them will be oversold. I mean, look at that. Probably didn't help that Rishi Sunak has it's got a bit of a war on vapes, hasn't he, as well. But that's not the only thing they do, is it, Supreme? So it's, uh, but like I said, they welcome. Well, yeah, I mean, they? basically, mm. even if he does ban disposable, you know, sort of vapes, which is absolutely not, I mean, it won't be a problem because essentially it'll, these guys are leading the industry and everybody will have to readjust and they've already got a portfolio of the, you know, reusable um, vaping problem uh, products. So, you know, anyway, all I'm saying is that it just, again, it shows you how undervalued that company is and also, um, you know, what how dark the actual sentiment is. So, you know, yeah. just one of those things. Uh, I mean, two questions, uh, both from uh, two different Bens. Uh, so we've got Ben says, uh, two-year beer market in mid and small caps. It's been painful experience. When will it end? Well, that's that's a trillion-dollar question, isn't it? And, uh, but yeah. what you mean, you think actually in the next six months has got a good yeah, chance, yeah, actually, yeah. in the small and micro-cap and mid-caps because of that yeah. interest rate rolling over in the UK. And, I, yeah. and uh, you know... I'm, it's, it's it's the idea. What what you should do actually, what I'm doing anyway, is upgrading your portfolio as we've talked before, looking for stocks that are really top quality, going dead cheap, being prepared to hold them when they continue to go down in sentiment, which they will. But the problem is you can't buy too much of it because there's liquid liquidity issues. You will not be able to pick. Not there's not actually that many sellers out there. So pick up what you want, hopefully over a period. Just accept they're probably going to go down over the next three, four, five, six months, etc. And then when it turns, it'll turn really sharply and everybody will start trying to buy and the liquidity will have been still really low and then you'll see a huge gain. So it's preparing the ground. It's upgrading your portfolio 
and, and taking advantage of the low liquidity at the moment into in everything small cap. But you just got to have a bit of bit, bit of sort of like patience and prepared to be, you know, sort of wrong for the next three or four months. I know you have the, you know, you could put your technicals and try and time it perfect, perfectly, but you can't do that in, in many small caps because liquidity is too small. And if you want to put any decent number in, basically, you, you, there just is no liquidity to try and time it that late when everybody else is, is stepping through the door. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, can, we can, I can talk about technicals all day long, but um, no, I, you can time it. I mean, you know, better. I just think it's efficient allocation of capital looking at charts. Fundamental research straight away, beyond anything. Find stocks you like and put them on the watch list. If they are in a downtrend or even, you know, avoid downtrends. There's three things. Is it downtrends, is, is ranges, is uptrends. Uh, and you want to catch companies when they're starting an uptrend. And that doesn't happen overnight. You know, small caps can bounce on a technical bounce massively. Uh, and so it doesn't matter if you miss that so much, as long as you don't get the downtrend. Uh, so I don't want to sit there on a paper loss. It's been too painful the last two years. And that's why now I focus equally on, you know, uh, technical. Uh, and then, of course, portfolio management after that, and thinking, how much should I expose myself to this? You know, what is the, what's the percentage? I mean, it depends on your risk. risk Tolerance, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, ben also says uh, on, on Supreme, he just says uh, it's a different Ben from other Ben. Um, isn't it? Isn't a fifty percent or more ownership uh, a cause for concern? We've seen other stocks delisted without notice due to a controlling shareholder. Well, you need seventy-five percent to get delisted. It's like to go through as an, on the aim. That's just the aim rules. Having a heavy ownership, yes, it'd be you know. It's probably a, you know, not something you particularly want, but it just demonstrates that the guy's already got a lot of money, you know, skin in the game, and he's, and it just sees incredible value upside. So I think you can you can look at it either way to a certain extent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so before getting into more, any any companies, uh, is it, do you know what? Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, Bender said that, uh, one second. Bender said um, he's worried about the, uh, the the American markets roaring over because they've they went into bear territory and they've come back out. I mean, this is the S and P five hundred, for example, uh, and you can see straight away. You know, I mean, that's these are classic. You know, lower highs. You know, they that's the high of the market ever in twenty two. It's happened again here, right? It's down to the 200 moving average here. And you, you can see, you know, it came down here. Uh, and now it's happening again. I don't know where I'll get to, but um, of course, if there's downward pressure in American markets, it does affect us. Uh, but to a certain extent, sometimes you can't look at everything. You've got to get to a stage where you think you've invested in a company which is a very good value. And like, like Paul says sometimes, if it goes the wrong way against you, you think well, it's still a good business, still good value. As long as you haven't overexposed, I mean, just wait, you know, wait. Especially if it's paying dividend. You just think, well... Fine. I mean, paid to hold it. Fine. You know. I'm more concerned about the major indices in the states to a certain extent than I am in the small caps because I don't think we've reached a capitulation phase yet over in the in the in the US. And and I suspect if the Fed has to hold rates longer than the market's expecting, which which is probably because of the economy being more resilient, then um, it's going to have more damage at the at the you know the earnings level because you, the borrowing costs are going to be higher for corporates plus inflation is coming down faster in the US than it is elsewhere so they won't be able to pass the pricing on and wages are still going up in a tight labor market so when you put all that through i cannot see how you know you're going to get 12% eps growth which is baked into analyst forecast for next year um and uh, with higher borrowing costs the multiple is going to compress as well so if i was going to if i was going to choose which markets i'd go to small cap or micro cap UK all every day rather than large super so-called magnificent seven type stocks yeah. out in the US. 
I mean, look at the Russell 2000. It's not, you know, it, it hasn't really rallied. You know, it's, it had that high back in September. It came down in a range there. And look at that. It's actually broken down. There's, you, know, you could say high, 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 got this range there, broke down, and that's broken down to this level here. So it's, it's, it's really struggling anyway. And that's, you know, that is not, like the S&P, like I said, and the NASDAQ are, are largely skewed to this massive mm. stocks of Magnificent 7. So it's not a real <laughs> true reflection. And the rest of the S&P is not performing as well as 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 that so uh yeah anyway stocks paul what, what yeah no well i had i had a user i had a basically a you know a guy on x who basically asked me to, to raise it on this on this call in terms of a factor with mm -hmm. what's actually in their sort of like treasure trove of r d and um actually a good example came out this morning is that they're just going to be publishing a new sort of like drug poster on two potential early stage assets one is the uh, um is, is another one on the precision platform to do um uh a it's ava 3996 i think it is and then there's another one as well on their afama platform etc and uh these could just be you know absolutely huge the first one for instance is hopefully going to go into uh clinical uh, trial the back end of um, uh, 2024 so just about sort of 12 months time and then the other one is um i don't know uh, but they're, they're filing for basically to go into preclinical so we'll wait and see on that one these are just again two other assets above the ava 6000 one which is their lead comp, uh, candidate and I think what's happening is that the investors are, are now starting to see a sort of like a, a glimmer under the hood of the, uh, you know, with the engine of both of the uh, precision platform and the Affirma platform. And they're really sort of like throwing out lots of very promising, you know, uh, 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 candidates. And just to give people a perspective, I'm not sure what the, what's the market cap on um, uh, on Three, four, eight, I was looking at there. Okay, so, yes. Yeah. What, th three, three, four, eight, is it? Yeah, okay, so three hundred fifty. yeah. Yeah, so 350 million. I mean, let's be clear about it. The, just the AVA 6000 on its own, if it comes to market, the current um, the current uh, sort of like addressable um, market for that type of drug is well over a billion dollars each year. But actually, if this one if this one actually is, proves a success, it will grow the market hugely because the, the existing drug has got so much you know, side effects, and this one won't have it, and it'll be at a higher price point. So. Just on, just if that comes onto the, you know, is a success. It will be, it'll be, it will be a multiple of the existing market cap, um, and it'll also obviously rubber stamp to the rest of the precision platform, which will bring this other one, the ABA, you know, sort of three nine nine six or whatever it was, um, yeah. you know, to, to help that and get to market as well. So I think this huge. I, I'm, you know, off air. I said to you, Justin. I, you know, I think I'm more confident now about Avacta being a success with its precision platform than I've ever been because of the the actual efficacy and the safety data is just first notch. You know, top notch. Really, really is. Uh, yeah. But obviously, the science. Well, let's wait and see what actually does happen. But I think investors are now starting to get a glimpse of, as I say, what's really in that in in that sort of like treasure chest of. Of, of medical science that they can just spin out a lot of these different assets and i know a lot of flack has been come from people like tom winifred in terms of where they're going to get funding and all this sort of stuff well well frankly if your medical science is absolutely brilliant and you're addressing multi-billion market cap markets which is what they are you, you just guarantee a big biopharma company is going to want to be desperate to get into this into this area and will either buy them out or alternatively be a, be a partner to help commercialize it i just don't think the i just don't think the, the financing is going to be any issue whatsoever as long as the you know the medical um the, you know the medical development carries on the way it is because and it and it's going brilliantly at the moment
Yeah, and so funding wise, they have convertibles. They, they never had twenty six million. Yeah, yeah, the, com- the convertible just will, will just be converted at about it's just less than one one pound nineteen. Okay, so maybe that, that's that's probably why the sh- at the moment the share price is struggling. It seems to hit this band uh, mm. and then gets sold into pretty much, and uh, maybe that's why then it's converted there. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, this, this, it's, you know, that's why the share count is going up. But I, I yeah. would, you know, it's it, this is spring loaded because if uh, once they actually you know get into that sort of the, the trial data and more, and more information comes out then people are going to start seeing this is just a slam dunk so uh, anyway there's never nothing is risk risk free everybody knows that but as i say i am more confident of the precision platform now than i have ever been um and uh, that's coming also through in their rns's you know yeah yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Sean says, what will AIM look like in two years uh, in terms of how many listed companies still exist? How many will leave like the NASDAQ? And will many new companies join, in your opinion? I have my um, opinion there. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm still relatively optimistic. It's going to come down to sort of funding and liquidity, isn't it? And if we get interest rates coming down, there'll be more opportunities and it will draw capital into the sector. So I think you'll... I actually think you know the market is is probably at a very very sort of like you know cyclical low at the moment in terms of IPOs and you know that sort of stuff. But uh, if you look at it, you know what was the worst time for AIM? Yeah, it was the bottom of the great financial crisis, and then it came back strongly. So I, I think you know it, it's it, it's not a, it, everybody sort of complains about it, but actually it's got some very good tax incentives for you know for for investors. And also, you know, it's a good. It is actually when it's working a good form of capital for for rapidly expanding businesses. Um, so I'm not quite oh, in two years' time. I would say I actually think there'll be more companies listed because I think the conditions will be get better. Hopefully, yeah. there'll be a better quality as well. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what? That's exactly what I think. I mean, I think companies that delist now because they can't raise capital. And not good businesses, and they don't need to be listed. They need to get off aim because they're sucking the funds from decent companies. And, and so I think you're better off with a smaller pool of high quality companies, mm. and so the reputation of aim goes up, which will attract better companies and better businesses than having loads of companies. Some of them just digging dirt in Africa for ten years, looking for sort of uh, you know stuff there, <laughs> doing pre-drill results. So we found some good samples here. They've been doing that for years and years. Why are we still throwing money at that? And, you yeah. know, there are plenty of good businesses out there, and they'll always get funding a good business will always get funding mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe that and it, and sometimes it's not possible to go to nasdaq you know uh so yeah i think what's happening now it's a, a natural cleansing cycle you get the downturns like i said you'll get massive ipos at the top because there's easy money coming into the market anyone can raise money people are buying you know ape nfts for a million bucks for heaven's sake that's how risk you know, uh, uh, tolerant people were back then, just throwing money at anything. And then it's a, it's a classic, in fact, I think you shared a tweet actually about, uh, you know, bull top of the market and bottom of the market size. And at the bottom market, you get a, a, a very few IPOs, uh, top market, lots of IPOs, easy money. Uh, but it's in a little cleanse system. You know, some of these companies that fail and, and, and go by the wayside, fine. You know, they are the weak companies. They shouldn't be on aim. They should be, some of them, not even businesses, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> It's, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, the key is, I think the key for investors at the moment is to carry on sort of like, you know, upgrading, you know, one's portfolio when the opportunities are and depending on how much money you want to put into the market. I mean, you, you know, you talk about the, you know, as I say, the technical side. Personally, because I'm putting a, ch- a big chunk into into into, ca- into capital, into shares, etc. 
to the technicals, I will move, I will drive the technicals when there's very low liquidity and small stock. So it's frankly, um, it's it, that, that, that charts don't work for me when it gets to really low liquidity. <laughs> so it's yeah. one of those things. But anyway, let's just just switching gears. Let's go into healthcare because there's a couple of stocks actually that you I think used to own or you may even still own out a bit of news. First of all, Lung Life, for instance. Yeah, no, I still mean, Lung Life. I've done you know, listen, it's very illiquid, but it's a, 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 a example of. Um, I did uh, wait for the chart to, to align up here because I knew it was massively oversold. But I said fundamental first and then technical. I just thought this is uh, undervalued because they had cash pretty much, uh, mm. you know, similar to their market cap. And the market they're addressing is huge, you know, and, um, uh, and literally look at a test. And in fact, yesterday on the webinar, uh, you know, I do a weekly webinar, the investment club there, and we looked at one of the members there said, have you read the peer reviewed paper? Of their last trial i said do you know what? i haven't delved that much into it because i just looked i just read their rns basically he said have a look at this and we went through the peer review and I said, wow that's amazing it's and it's even better uh results on early stage lung cancer than biopsies because yeah. they're circulating tumor cells and it's taken from blood which are all around the body and, and sometimes it doesn't pick up on biopsies so how could a test with ai be better than actually doing a biopsy so there's no worry about the pivotal test which has been delayed just read the peer review paper and like i said a lot and, of patients and, you know go on. and it also works equally well for passive smokers as it does yeah. for active smokers yeah which is just brilliant i mean that it just shows that shows you the sensitivity and the accuracy of it is just terrific i mean how many people die of passive smoking masses yeah. absolutely masses yeah yeah and um it, so anyway it, uh, the news the news for the news for the news for lung life was just that they're, they're obviously got this validation uh test they're doing and they've got the they're, they're, which they've completed and they're just assimilating all the data and they put a drop dead date at the end of september to get the news out to publish it but because of being delays of getting all the data from the actual testing sites and then unlocking it correctly to find all the protocols it's just taking a bit longer there's no yeah. no there's no difference in the investment case because as soon as you get it then uh you know we're off to the races in terms of the commercialization of it um so and, and they've always said that they're going to need you know they're going to need more money towards the back end of next year or the middle of mid mid to the back end of next year um yeah. and uh, as long as you've got that science right and it works then um, you'll get the funding. So so it doesn't make any difference in the investment case, but the shares obviously sold off because people thought it's negative. But actually, all it is is just pushing it to the right. But we'll get to where we where we want to get to. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a previous you know presentation slide of theirs, 2.9 billion market. That was 950 pounds per test, but that's before they got the, um, what, around about 2,000? Uh, yeah, was it that, the, the actual... Um, the, the amount well, how much is it in fact I can't, i'll look it up now but they're looking at three million tests i thought what mm. so i just basically worked on um you know i said let's do 10 i was 10 2000 well, like 2030 days isn't the payers uh will pay um so you, you do that that's 20 million revenue ten thousand tests uh, they're looking at three million i thought well even if you don't do anywhere near that you know one five percent of that hundred and fifty thousand tests at two that's 300 million in revenue mm. that's five percent of the target market now if you look at groundbreaking tests that's huge upside potential so you didn't even have to do anywhere near uh you know what they want to do or what tests they could do and there's still massive upside potential that's what i liked about it you know so and yet you know the efficacy it's amazing of the tests you know, yeah. is, 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 i'll is give you i'll give you an, i'll give you another crazy stat there as well uh justin yeah yeah China, right, mm. for smokers is about six times the size as, as, as the US, at yeah. least with lung cancer case, at least six times, yeah. okay? 
just yeah. to give you a hypothetical, and I, I really haven't spoken to the company, so I'm just going to chuck this out. Yeah, what about what about lung life? Once it gets, you know, this was success in the US, licensing out the technology to a partner in China, as yeah. Bellascura has done for its COPD, you know, sort of yeah. point of uh, portable oxygen concentrators to a partner in China. So lung life effectively get a royalty. I don't know, ten percent of all the sales in China, which is six times the market. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and do you know what? It's, it's funny. I just listened to a podcast right now, Walking the Dog, and um, they're saying that, you know, Rishi Sinek has announced that, uh, you know, anyone over 14 now will not be able to buy cigarettes because they're going to raise the, the price. Mm. And, and then one of the investment analysts on this says, I don't think, you know, the big tobacco companies are that care, doesn't care too much about the UK. It's a tiny market, you know, in China. That's the big market. They're still smoking. They're still loving it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so there's massive problems with lungs out there. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, the chart was here. And I, I, at the time, it was literally coming down. I thought, I, and I, I didn't pull the trigger down here. I thought, I'm, I'm going to wait uh, because the valuation silly. And it got to like literally market cap, it was cash. And I thought, that's absolute potential. So this is a 50-day moving average. It's crossing a couple of times, but it didn't break new highs. So I got, you know, in here where it sort of broke these new highs. And uh, it just shot up to here. And I'm, I still hold the same amount. And it's, it's so I'm, I'm literally at about 80, 90% up on that. But I mean, well, well I, done, I, mate. But, yeah, but it's, it's um, but you know, I don't think anywhere near the potential. I know, you know, the road to commercial execution can be bumpy and long. Uh, but I just think you sound like a central class. banker. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, I know that from Palerian. I'm just saying, and you know, I did say it's all in the execution. They compared Palerian to this is completely different. You know, Palerian is more capital, you know, it's expensive basically upside. I mean, capital, um, you know, exhausted. Yeah, I mean, an MRI machine is a million quid. MRI, yeah, and they have a lot of hardware that goes into those things and that be hooked up. It's a lot more complex. Rolling out that needs more capital. And also, it's not a test. This is a, it's a, almost a definitive test for the biggest problem in the world. That's lung cancer. Like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's a bigger killer than prostate, breast, and collateral cancer altogether. And I don't know if you saw the chart of uh, Oxford Biodynamics uh, recently, but they came out with an amazing test, a PSE test, which boosts the PSA test, which uh, people like me and you need, Paul, uh, to go after the age of 50 for the prostate cancer test. But the, the, the PSA test, they try and put you off it because I've asked about it before, and they said it's only around about 55% accuracy. Now, their PSE test, I don't know all shares in this, boosts that from 55 to 95%, which is massive. Now, like, um, it's about, I think, it's about 20 Five million people uh, in, in America have PSA tests a year. So if, if they can, you know, push that out, it'd be huge. But that literally went from, you know, in a day, it went up by 160 odd percent, and then it's gone up from literally uh, 10 pence to 47 pence. I said, well, hang on a sec, wait until um, we get some results on lung life, because that's, again, like I say, the lung cancer market, massive, huge. And if they can sort of solve or help solve that, or detect, like, they, like I said, they're hoping to do, aren't they? 80% uh, of cancers are late stage, detected. It's too late then, you can't do a lot with it. All you can do is manage it. So they're hoping to get, sort of switch that round and detect 80% of lung cancers early. Um, and, and so that way you can deal with it and you can, you know, Sorted mm. out basically. So yeah, well, but, I mean, well, how how? I mean, here's a question: How does your technicals indicate timing on that one, Justin? Well, exactly. Sometimes there are. Well, you could say here. I mean, if you if you look at this look at this chart, <laughs> it's, it's a huge, awful downtrend. You know, it's been going down for ever, and you've had many fake breaks. But when you get a company that releases news, it's you know blockbuster news in a microcap. Sometimes you can't. But even then, you could have. In the morning, if you've got a space, that, I mean, there, it's starting to break the 50-day moving average, right? And then it breaks up there. But I know some one of the guys in the club, actually, bought in the morning. He didn't go up. Obviously, it wasn't a well-followed stock. And uh, he bought in the morning, and he bought around right here. 
And so he was a bit of, I think he bought 17, sub 20 mm -hmm. pence he bought. And so it shot up to like 50 pence. So, um, but yeah, there are obviously exceptions to every rule, but when you get sort of a blockbuster news that comes out of that, but that's why you should do research beforehand because, you know, you can't, uh, you know, think. If well, we, if we have, if we have a vaccine day again in yeah. AIM or, or micro, micro caps, yeah, on the back of lower interest rates, which I think we will have, yeah, on low liquidity, we will get a similar sort of chart, but not quite as severe on the whole market and if you're not if, if you're trying to time it as long as you're happy that you're going to miss that vaccine day moment then that's fine yeah yeah well i, I don't think it'll be that aggressive though i mean and if it is it doesn't matter you can't you can't just say you're gonna you know if you miss out on one day that's it you know you've got a bit more long term than that paul you're a long-term investor you're gonna be long term than that I, I, so that's miss, why that's miss, why i mean there is a stat about worst and best and worst days you miss the worst day or the best day and all that stuff i know but i think i do hold i mean I'm, you know i'm, I'm largely invested i'm two-thirds invested and 30 percent cash and i've been in that for a while now yeah. and uh i've never been this disciplined holding cash in the, in the bull market i couldn't invest enough <laughs> i was looking yeah. to borrow money now I've, i'm holding 30 percent <clears> cash for around right about yeah. that level for a long time i've you know but i mean around about that level for a while now you know? mm. No, I mean, I, the reason why I mentioned it is just because I actually think charts work better for big, massive caps where the liquidity is deep and essentially you don't get these sharp moves. But when you get small micro caps, it all depends on how much money you want to put into it, what, how much you want to invest. If you're yeah, investing yeah. just a couple of thousand quid, you can easily deploy it. It's not a problem in just yeah, about yeah, any yeah, stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you but when you get into reasonably sized six figure numbers, even anything less than a hundred million at the moment is tough as hell to put it in. Mm. Well, I'll give you an example. Destiny Pharma. I, I, you know, I love their their two late stage you know, phase three products. One was partnered, but they with the partnership deal. You know, this they rose on the partnership expectation. And they did a big discounted fundraise because that was part of the deal. And so I said, okay, I'll wait. And I wasn't in there. And I thought I'll wait for a dip a bit because they've got cash now. What's the worry? They've got a deal on one asset. They've got another a deal on another asset coming up. So I bought in after a bit of a churn. I thought it's going to churn a bit now with the, the placing. People just you know flipping the stock. And I bought around right here. And I just waited and I waited. And if you look at it, that's, that's in a really messy chart. And what I could have done, again, breaking 50 day moving average previous highs, you could have just got in here. But having said that, it probably would have been, like I said, I probably wouldn't be able to deploy as much cash at this level. But, you know, this, this level where it broke new highs mm -hmm. is essentially, it's money flow. It's money supply, it's, it's, it's you know, it. supply and demand of the, of the, of the stock. You know, when, when you start reaching, uh, you know, new highs that's basically people paying more for stock less sellers around and so it's it's a measure of money flow that's all charts is you know so no. okay right anyway. get up a chart of Alico. yeah you know i own yeah. it okay yeah yeah uh elko uh, yeah okay nice. right tell me when on the charts yeah you'd buy that Right, right. So you're breaking the 50-day moving average here. Okay, you need yep. to break new highs. So you'd say last highs was around about sort of this level here. I'd say you know 72, 78 pounds. So around about here, it's breaking 200-day moving average as well. Now what you have got here is this is good look. So you got higher lows happening. So people are paying up for the stock, but it's hitting some resistance here. So there's obviously some supply coming in around about this level. Let's keep it down. But sooner or later that'll pop. I mean that that's you can see even if I take the 50-day moving average off. Right, let's take that off. You can see pretty much here. If you just bought that uptrend, look at this. It, the share price is moving up. It hasn't touched that 200 moving average for a long time, right? And then all of a sudden, it breaks down below. You think, what's going on here? And there's reason to be cautious here because if it doesn't break back up here now and it doesn't make a new high somewhere, that's a little bit worrying. And the, the second high was way below the, that high there. And that's a, obviously a breakdown in trend. And so if you just got up there, breaking the 200 moving average, 
and then got back in. Yeah, okay, so, so, so so the question is: is that a buy? Is that a buy signal? Yeah, that's. I'd say that's that's. Let's be honest. It hasn't. Like I said, like it did on the way up. Didn't touch that two hundred moving average. Now it hasn't touched it. Now look, it's broken above it. Right for the first time since what? October twenty one, and that's when it was coming down. And so you may have, I'm not going to say so straight up, but what I'm saying is you can pretty much say the downtrend has ended. Now, if you avoid a downtrend, that's one of the big worries. It's just avoid a downtrend. If you can avoid that, and if you're convinced the downtrend has ended, that's a good sign. Because then, hopefully, if you've done your research fundamentally and you're avoiding the downtrend, there's only two ways it can go. You know, and that's in a, in okay, a range well, for I'm a gonna, while or uptrend. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, the reason why I brought that up is because I'm going to give you a mark, yeah? Hey, look at that. About look, look, how look. good that is. I'm going to give you look 10 out of 10. Because 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 fundamentally it's definitely getting better, okay? Yeah. And the reason why I can give you ten out of ten for your technical analysis there, okay, that is because <laughs> there the house broker Cavendish has been contacting retail investors, mm-hmm. basically trying to get some some stock to to for a buyer who I don't know who it is on the actual market who's in the sidelines and then if they're coming down to people idiots like me and other retail investors then they are absolutely desperate so that says there's yeah. a total deficit of sellers on the market and some yeah. professional investor who wants to get into this stock who hasn't yet got a position is 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 trying to trawl around scribbing and scraping so yeah. I'll give you I'll give you 11 out of 10 there Justin because not only as your technicals hitting the fundamentals but actually the technicals there is 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 actually showing up what's actually happening in the background there's low liquidity somebody yeah. a big buyer is looking to put some money into work can't get it and is contacting idiots like me <laughs> Yeah yeah but essentially you don't have to be a genius at a chance that realize you know all you have to do is I, I in the bull market it doesn't matter so much you can avoid the technicals you know companies will still keep you up but in a bear market it's really essentially you avoid those downtrends because like you know it's, a, it's not a dip it's it's a downtrend and that can last for a long time like I said this downtrend pretty much you know so well look at that that the previous bounces you know it all these moving averages do is smooth out the price action. Okay, so literally, it, it, it's a bit of congestion there at what mm. at one twenty five broke down, and then one two five. But now you can see there, even even now, it's it's it tried to get above that's eighty three pence several times. It's now tentatively broken above it a little bit. So that's very good. And if it can continue, if it can stay above that, it's a new range. It's going up again. So I think. Uh, don't, I know you want to sell now because you haven't well, sold. Maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't uh, shouldn't dish you too quickly there, Justin, because uh, actually yeah. you've just you've just proved me wrong. So well done, yeah. mate. No, but the thing is, if, you know, if you look at anyway, in fact, we're talking about John um, Human, and he was talking about uh, Jamie from uh, Singers, and yeah. he, he's saying it's all about money flow. That, that's all the chart is. It's money mm. flow. It's it's a, it's a measure of money flow. It's about net supply and demand, and literally, it's it's like having a product. You know. It's, if if you're selling something and you're it's selling well, and all of a sudden you've got no supply left and people want to buy it, it's what you do. Just put the price up. That's what you do. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. you know, people, and then after a and while, because the price gets too high, then people will stop buying it. And, you know, and that's reduce the and, price again. You know. And, and yeah. that and and the other side of that, as in like the reverse of it, is exactly what we were talking about earlier with the U.S. Treasury market. That's why bonds. You've got a huge amount of supply and a deficit of buyers. Yeah. <laughs> so consequently, yeah. the price is going down and the yield is going up. Simple economics, yeah. as we yeah, talked about. Yeah. Now another, so, uh, now another share that you own that came out with news or used to own. I think you've you've moved on now. Is Verici, and basically yeah. they had the same sort of thing. They came out with sort of interim results, and they just basically said that uh, they're um, it's taking a, a bit longer for the adoption of their leading to Tivia test for um, 
you know, for basically a, a kidney donor, a kidney transplant test to um, to be to be taken up by some of the transplant centres out in the states. Now, again, it's a bit like lung life. It's not a, really not a problem because they said for some time they've got a crash runway until mid next year, and as long as the you know, basically that the the, um, the science has proven itself, which it has already, and they're going to get in some, um, they're going to start selling their second test as well, Clarava, by the end of the year. And, they, and I think they're doing the validation study on, the, study on their third test as well. So as long as that all keeps ticking through, they're going to get more funding, no problems at all next year. Um, so again, the market is sold, you know, the, the shares are sold off, but really it doesn't change the investment case whatsoever. If you've got a couple of months, the key is going to be is how good the medical science is. And this is top notch stuff. So it's going to be able yeah. to get funding next year as like, you know, it's all, as it's always set, as it always, you know, basically says it's got that runway until the mid next year. It just, and it all comes down to how, um, you know, how good the technology is and the technology is top notch. So, People have just got to be patient with both Lung Life and um, and Verici that you get these occasional things shift to the right, but it, it doesn't it isn't actually making any detrimental impact onto the investment case because it all comes down to how good the medical. If they were saying the set the medical there's a problem with the medical science, then I would really I'd say oh god we've got a problem here, but there isn't. Mm. So you know it's going to happen. It just it's it, it's just, this is just total sort of like you know um meat and two veg for what happens with you know standard standard practice with what happens with you know uh, commercializing top-notch technology sometimes it takes a bit longer or the studies take a bit longer and all this sort of stuff you can't rush you know the best things in life essentially yeah no exactly uh yeah i, yeah, I don't hold them anymore I do, I do like them though it's just like i said i want to be you know more about funding and it is delays but um that, mm. that's it and the thing is at the moment i literally um i'm being very careful of how many stocks i own and i, and I just want to you know have I, I don't believe we're not not far away and i've been saying this for a long time but i do and i just want to have enough firepower to either buy more of the stocks i own or literally you know yeah. buy something i'm looking at at the moment so uh, makes perfect yeah. sense how much cash do you hold and how many stocks do you own um, so I have about thirty-one percent in cash, and uh, yeah, stocks-wise, uh, I own here. Uh, so, uh, You've got about uh, a dozen my, or so. My biggest, my, no, my biggest holding is obviously the, my fund, which covers the boring two fifty one hundred. Mm. Let's see, one hundred two fifty stocks. I go at twenty percent in that, um, but, and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stocks. Um, oh, okay, you got a few. Yeah, yeah, one of them has actually come out. It's, well, Trufin, I still hold Trufin, which is um, it's, it's a bit of a slow burner, but you know, they're dealing with a, you know, a Lloyd's banking group, which is, uh, you know, dealing with companies like that. You you know, got to walk mm. to their timing. Uh, but they're, uh, just to explain, you know, one of the companies, the Trufin own is Satago, which is uh, invoice lending. And I think that's going to be quite big, you know, especially in the next six to 12 months anyway, um, because the economy is still going to suffer for a while. But, um, you know, they started off loaning off their own book. And then, of course, they did a trial with Lloyds, and I said, okay, it's just, you know, a software company, we're loaning off our book. But Lloyds are migrating their loan book over to the Stargo platform, and it's taking a bit longer than they thought, but it's going to happen in 2024, start of 2024, mm. and the revenue really ticks up. And in fact, even like Playstack, the gaming arm, is uh, launching a raft of games. They're expected to do 35 million in revenue by 2026, and profitable. They've just sold off Virtus, which was uh, so independent financial advisors of business which is a bit boring I, I don't sell that off it's, uh, to me Satago is, is the one I think it's a you know software as a service business uh, we got Lloyd's uh, Sage you know Challenger Bank to sign up to it now um, and I think it's going to go gangbusters that but uh, yeah I do like it and the, and the thing is the thing is nice they raise money and 
the the Virtus uh, sell off now, so they, they've got enough cash to get to, uh, to um, profitability in 2025. So it's an easy target now, not losing money. Play stack will be EBITDA profitable and uh, it's oxygen as well. Yeah. So, mm. uh, but again, it's you know it's it's it's, it's taking a bit longer than they thought. But that happens when you're dealing with massive companies like Lloyd's. You can't just say, "Come yeah. on, hurry up." You know, no, so, uh, and also the, you know. the share price has been very stable, hasn't it? Which says yeah, everything. Yeah, it's, it's 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 literally. So if I paid attention to more to charts here, I, I would go up. I just I do like the fundamentals of this business. I just think um, what I'm looking for is I do want small companies, but you know, globally scalable. And I think yeah. something like Satago is is hugely scalable. Uh, and not only well, you know, you got Lloyd's as a huge bank. I mean, there's banks from the world that would use this software. And uh, and yeah, like I said. It's got. It's come down from there, but it's, I, I. No, it's. I mean, that is. That is it, yeah. Considering where we've been, the market's down yeah. what forty five percent. Oh yeah, this is the so bear market. It's been dead stable. So, yeah, sixty pence between eighteen. Well, and nineteen and sixty pence has been going up. Mm. So yeah, but uh, yeah, but once I mean, once that ticks up and breaks up, new, I'll, I'll probably buy more of it. But that's the kind of thing that I want cash for to mm. buy more when it starts to move. You know, so um, yeah. Well, I do like Good. it. I mean, it yeah. Another yeah, another one cool. on the medical side that um, that came out with some um, you know some news or is Bella Scura and um, they've basically they've got that innovative sort of like portable oxygen concentrator but they've shown that innovation when it comes to raising money in a really tough market that they've basically done a small placing at about thirty two p I think they did a convertible with a, a conversion price of about forty p. And um, and then have also proposed doing a merger all share with a company um, on the main market that has about four point five million pound, uh, uh, sorry four point seven million pound of cash. Which if you use the multi- the exchange rate or effectively the share exchange rate on it comes down to a effectively cash injection of about twenty five p in the um, per share. So that's how they're sort of like sorting themselves out with uh, with funding to give them the runway, and they've taken on more. You know, sort of have taken in, it's got more interest for their um, new sort of like uh, Discover uh, portable oxygen concentrator that's just been uh, started to production out in the States this week. Um, so they're all set now. They've got that. If that, as long as that deal happens, they've got the money, they'll be able to become cash flow positive and profitable, um, I think by Q2 of next year. So uh, that should be the last fundraising that they need to do. And of course, they've got that big deal with Inamax out in China as well for 55 million. Um, dollars in rough royalties over the sort of ten years, and they just and they could they could they could basically sell that to discover portable oxygen concentrator hand over fist for the next, the next few years because it really is industry leading class. So they've they've been through the wars as you can see on the chart, but mm-hmm. fundamentally wise, I think they're now there. I don't think they're going to have to raise any more money, and yeah. um, they're going to be able to uh, hopefully then just execute against their plan. Yeah, well, you can see that. I mean, do you know what? It's like if you look at the AMOL share, it's nowhere near the 200 day moving average, it's right below it. But you can see now, you know, if you're this, this is a red one, the 200 day moving average, you know, it's it's flirting with it here. Now, you know, you could probably say that's that's the bottom there, you know, higher low there. Um, it'll probably have me have to go sideways for a while, but that's that's a good sign. It's, it's you know, the downtrend has sort of ended mm. there. And so, if you, again, if you marry up the fundamentals with a trying to, trying to figure out where the downtrend has ended, you, you, you know, your, your timing, your allocation of capital is a bit more efficient. That's all, you know. So, uh, yeah. yeah, what's uh, what's next, Paulie? Yeah, I mean, another one, let's just make, quickly mention Sayeta, which came out with some massive news on their uh, on a big order from their um, Indian OEM um, electric vehicle um, uh, manufacturer out in, uh, as I say, out in Asia. And um, they uh, then, I mean, basically what that means is that not only 
uh, they've got that sort of like a, a potential huge order, which has got their first sort of product platform they're going to be on. But there's also another one which they could work. It looks as though they're going to be on as well. And if you put that together, I think the house broker can accord have got a total sales value of 130 million dollars just for that that particular opportunity, just for those two platforms over the side of it. Um, and um, it, what it says to the industry is that they're now considered as a major tier one supplier of e-drive systems to uh, it, to electric vehicles in one of the hardest and most competitive markets in the world. And so it just really elevates them across that whole, you know, sort of um, industry stack. And uh, assuming they can execute it, you can guarantee they're going to get lots of people, big OEMs around the world who are going to be knocking on their doors and asking them to do the same. Um, mm. So, you know, really good. And I could see them, they could, you know, do joint and further joint ventures that they've done in India, but they could also do royalties. I mean, you know, that's not, in, you know, impossibility as well. You know, capital like business model and just sell the IP. So they've got lots of different moving parts. The issue they have at the moment is that, unfortunately, they have a, a, a drop dead time of six months to publish their uh, FY23 results. And uh, yeah. they've just got, there's a technical issue because they've, they, 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 after the year end, they sorted out their Conmet um, op- opportunity in, this, in the US and just sort of parked it for the time being. Um, and and uh, it was because it was so late in the day, it seems as though it's caused BDO, their auditor, a few problems in, in terms of calculating goodwill and how much should be on their balance sheet associated with that particular contract. And they've and so they've just unfortunately missed that drop dead date of the 30th of September. And hopefully in the, in October, later this month, they'll be able to uh, to publish those results. And BDO will have done that. But uh, that's the, that seems to be a technical issue. Um, which is which yeah. uh, the shares have unfortunately just under aim rules have had to be suspended. But the key yeah. is that te- key, the key is fundamentally they are now considered across the industry as being a leading tier one supplier of e drives because of that flagship contract that they now have with their joint venture in India. Yeah, you know, no, I do like Feta. I like I did have a dabble with them. I, was, I remember I was watching them for a long time because they came down this massively over someone from you know mm. two eighty. And they literally came down, you know, literally, it's what, 20 pence. Yeah. And uh, I was looking to break that, and I got in here, and I went on holidays in Tenerife. I I was in Siam Park, one of the biggest water parks in Europe, and it was shooting up. And I thought, wow. And I doubled double my money here. And I said, I was breaking down there. And, I, and that, that was where I sort of got out around about 50 pence because it just broke down. And yeah. I, even recently, I thought, what's going on with this? Why? There is some good news. And it couldn't get back into that sort of area about 50 pence. And it, it's broken down again. It's higher highs. It's broken down again. I thought, what's going on here? And so, yeah, so it, it just needs, uh, I think, you know, I, I, I said, I think longer terms can do very well, but it's just technically at the moment, it's not, it's not performing. Uh, yeah. I had, uh, I had cool. a question actually come through X again, and it was to do with Polarium, which is one of yours. Not, I know you don't own it anymore. Oh, you, want, you, you want to see a bad chart? No, I know, yeah, but it wasn't about charts. It was about, well, it's actually relatively related, I suppose. And the question came in is, how long is the selling going to happen on this one? Because it seems as though there's a persistent seller, and when's, the, when's that sort of like, um, you know, the overhang going to be shifted? Yeah. And well, who's doing it, if you've got any idea. <laughs> I know. But the thing is, to a certain extent, it doesn't matter who's doing it, does it? Because um, you can't do anything about it. You can't just uh, go on the hours and say, stop selling. So um, if it is selling, you can see where the chart is selling. It's, it's constantly going down. I mean, broken several ranges. And so I don't know what's going on. But normally, it, when the sellers dry up, it's, it's normally, if, you, if you've punched out some really good news, you know, the sellers tend to dry up. And the buyers tend to come in, and so you get net net, net demand. But I, I don't know what's going on with it. It's been an awful chart. And it keeps when you think it can't go down any further, it does go down further. 
Yeah. And so you think, uh, just stay, just stay out of it, you know, until it starts breaking up here uh, and starts making it up trend. Because I don't know, it's awful. It's, it's literally it's such huge, promising technology, mm. and yet you know we they literally with bad news at the the end of the bull market, which is not a good time to do it. So they, it dropped. You say dropped to that that one. Do you want day. a prediction here, Justin? Yeah. Right. Okay, and, I, and I've never owned a Polarian, okay? Yeah. I think this could get a bio, an Oxford biodynamics moment. And the, and the reason is, is I think actually Phillips will actually buy them. <laughs> I've yeah. got a chance. If I, yeah, yeah. I, I would, if I was held, if I would, if I had suffered all that sort of losses, which I haven't, obviously, mm. I would not sell because I actually think this is so, what's the market cap? I bet it's ridiculously low. It's, it's, I think it's sub 20 now. So it's, um, it's, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 17.6. I mean, you, you know, and, and mm. Philips is a, is a huge 10 billion, 20 billion, whatever yeah. it is, market cap business that has MRIs. And if this is, if this is what it is, you know, we all know it's been FDA approved and gone through all, the, all that regulatory stuff and the mm. potential, et cetera. I mean, you know, this just looks, this just smells as though it's going to have an Oxford biodynamics moment at some point. <laughs> it could do, it could do. I mean, you know, the, the technology is there. It's, it's just, at the moment, they've got, you know, one thing leading to another, they had a knockback from the FDA, then they passed FDA, but obviously mm. some selling going on in there. And then they raised money because of the delay in that. Uh, and there's worry about, you know, the, the money situation now. So once you get that sort of, you know, vicious circle of all oh, they need funding, share price is going down. Selling begets selling, you know. And 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 I said, what they need is some knockout positive news that will yeah. dry up the sellers, will bring new buyers in, and then I think it'll start a rally. Because I mean, no one's in any doubt technology is very good. And uh, you know, it's globally significant, um, and there's huge markets. It's just like you know, it's literally. It is. It's one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised if it just does a hundred percent in a day or something and, and starts a motor because it's no, just no would I. so oversold. No, know, no would I. I would, no, no would I. I'm with you. Another one in the sort of the MRI space, or it is increasingly becoming on the X-ray space, is having Tras, and they came out with uh, with results, full year results. That's the end of May, I think it is, 2023. And yeah. this one has just been a perennial top-notch performer over the last 15 years, 20% per annum compound, yeah. you know, growth. It's got that, obviously, the, the really rock-solid, high-visibility engineering business doing those sort of like, you know, um, uh, high-integrity storage boxes for seller fields. It's got lots of, you know, the pumps and services and aftermarket for, you know, sort of the nuclear sector and uh, oil, the oil and gas. And it's also, you know, does the, the blast-proof doors for the existing HST two line it doesn't need any more it's got plenty of you know sort of blast proof doors from the booths off so so when you put all that and i valued valued that business together so the core business is worth well over 450p shares are what four quid at the moment something like that yeah, yeah. And the reason why I say this is a sort of like a, you know, a bog off stock is such that you get their, their medical division for free on the back of it. And this has got really top notch, small form, X 3D X-ray and MRI uh, technology. The X-ray has already been um, approved out in the States for FDA for uh, orthopedics. And um, they're hoping to do the same for MRI. And I, I could just see once that happens and they start making, you know, um, and they're fully funded to do this. When they st- once they start making sales in 18 months, I could see this is to- this has been a spin-off. Really is, a, or somebody or somebody big will just come in there, one of the big scanners, maybe GE or 
Toshiba or or um, Siemens or Philips or whatever it was will pick up that division. So you'll either get a trade sale or a spin-off. Either way, you're going to win if you're a shareholder. And who would want to bet against a management team that's increased the share price by over 20% per annum for the last 15 years? Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you know what? And literally, say if your valuation of the company is good and your mind hanging around, you know, it, it does these trading ranges for a while and then there it shot up, but then we had the cash for cash crash, which took out that trend. But then it soon reverted to trend, and now you've got this range for a while. So if you're doing research in the company, it can be in a range for a while. But if you if you're happy to have patience, knowing it's a good business, you can just pick up some stock there, can't you? And yeah. they've got the biggest shareholder is Christopher Mills, who's yeah. probably the the best and the most brilliant life science investor in the UK by a mile. So he's going to be funding this. <laughs> Mm. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he'll be guiding it how to do it. So, you know, yeah. it's, it, hey, what the hell? But it, 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 all I was saying is it looks great. And if if any stupid sort of like, you know, idiot sells a lot of chunk, there's lots of people who are going to be wanting to pick some, sta- some, some stock off. This this has got a flaw, this has. And, it, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, to me, if you bought, the, bought these, there's a little downside, and but plenty of potential upside. If, you, if you're willing to hold for two, three, four, five years. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the track record. Look at the track records proved that, doesn't it? I mean, look back. Yeah. This is a weekly chart, so mm. every and literally from you know, they said two thousand and <laughs> that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, so thirty-one <laughs> pence, thirty-one pence up to three eighty. There we are. Yeah, I know. That's but, absolutely uh, brilliant. I mean, another one which came out with results for half year was uh, Venture Life, and uh, they're they're bang in line with what expectations. Jet cash generation. Um, the debt net debt's coming down, like-for-like sales up set at 10%. And what was important, most of that heavy lifting has been done by volume, not price increases. There's more price increases coming through in the second half, and that's why they're so confident about hitting their numbers. Margins are also improving at the EBITDA level. The supply chain's easing in part, so you know basically raw material costs are coming down, so they're hopefully going to be improving gross margins as well, which will further lift the, you know EBITDA margins. I think they're currently about... 18, 19%, and the target to get them to about 25. And they're, tra- they're trading at a ridiculously low valuation. They're sort of like, you know, on, on, on sort of trough earnings, they're sort of, I think it's about uh, 10 or 11 times, you know, PE. But their but their cash flow yield is, is over, it's, it's double digits, it's about 15%. Mm. So if you look at it, this is a ca- bit of a cash machine, this one. It just needs to reduce, the, it's number one objective. And when I interviewed the CEO, Jerry uh, Randall, he told, he told me number one objective is to keep that top, top line moving and to keep the debt coming down, those two. So, you know, and, and I think he's going to do it. And, it, and once you once you push the, they should be around about one times um, EBITDA net debt by the end of, by December, which is what, three months away. Um, and then if you push it again for next year, I bet they're about half of that. So about 0.5, which means they've got, yeah. you know, lots and lots of balance sheets, sort of like, you know, capacity to do whatever they want to do. Um, but that just looks says to me that's that's sold off that as that just like yeah you know, yeah. But you, I mean, it's you know, it's quite nice. Though. I mean, it's a, it, 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 even that line there. You know, they couldn't break that, and then all of a sudden they broke it recently. So it could be a bottom here. I mean, it's, you know, they could start a bottom here. I mean, it takes a while to play out, but uh, mm. it could be a bottom there. Previous support over that level. Cool. Yeah. 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 And, and, and then and then and then yeah. the other one which came out with half year results, which was again bang in line, is uh, Fidel. Which is um, F A D L is the ticker, um, and um, they are basically a category killer in software for um, for royalties while, management yeah. and uh, and brand content protection. Um, and they came on the market, I think it was about June, about uh, April 
earlier this year yeah. at one forty-five. They've got their shares are not are not liquid at all because no, of they've got not. this they've got this Reg S requirement that they, they can't allow. That gets oh, okay. that gets yeah, yeah. cleared in, in in April next year, and once you do that, then it allows all the brokers who haven't got you know things like Hargreaves Landown don't don't allow trading for UK investors in this because they haven't got the systems to be able to discriminate between US yeah. and UK citizens. But, but you can do it on AJ Bell, and you can do it on interactive brokers as well. That happened um, same with uh, Longlife. That's part of the reason it sold off so much because um, yeah. basically it's a reg S for a year, and no yeah. one could buy any, and it came down. As it's to my advantage, then I went and buy it when Reg S came off to my own Barclays, and they said, No, we still don't do it because it's an ink. It's, I said, What? So I, I, I transferred the money to Hargreaves Lansdowne. So that's to my advantage because I'm assuming, you know, the new liquidity coming in was selling in the, yeah. in the downturn. I thought sooner or later it's going to turn, and it did. So, um, yeah. yeah, sometimes that's the advantage. So keep an eye on Fidel because um, when that Reg S comes up, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it will yeah. rally. And, um, yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're aiming to basically do about 14 million dollars of turnover this year and that but but in, but the five years afterwards they hope but you know they're hoping to get to like 50 million and that will be just organic growth um yeah. and remember this is high margin software sales the sort of recurring revenues are about i think it's 80 90 percent of the of, of total revenues their churn they've only ever lost one customer who's, who's come off over 20 years so their churn is is like negligible it's all adding to the top line and as i say the key for this it's niche software but it's a big multi-billion pound market that becomes increasingly important as you get like you know um, content which is segregated with subscriptions of it's like Spotify and all these other you know you get these authors and all this sort of stuff who want to be paid out royalties so it's becoming increasingly important to large big multinationals I mean they won I mean just give you they won people like Coca-Cola and Sanofi at the first half wow. um, so it just shows you the caliber of uh, of client that they service really top-notch blue chip and they'll stay there forever um, and um, there's nobody else. There's another game in town. People don't, you know, likes of SAP, the big enterprise, don't do this because it's really highly complex and very niche technology. And, yeah. and, and you know, they're the only fish basically in this in this sort of like pond. So yeah. consequently, they're getting all that all that business. Um, yeah. And uh, it isn't as though the guy, you know, basically the you know Tarek who who runs it and founded it. Um, he knows absolutely everything all there is with with royalty management software. I mean, he's been doing it. He's, he's been living and breathing it for 20 years. So you've got a really stable management team. They've just brought on the IPO is to, to basically bring in new sales team and a bit more software development. So they're they're increasing their increasing the addressable market and also increasing their competitive advantage over really point solutions that they they're the only one with an end-to-end product. Uh so but Basically, I, I think it's it, this is this is ideal because they'll put on AI software. They'll have no more competition. The, the competition won't be able to, you know, afford it, etc. And they'll just carry on winning more and more market share of really high value stuff. And, and eventually, five, ten, fifteen years, if they ever decide, they'll sell just to, to a, a bigger player. Because and it's just it's all drop through. I mean, the marginal cost of selling air is not very high, <laughs> as we all know. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was uh, Ben says the only thing that's done well in my portfolio uh, is uranium. Geiger counter is now my biggest holding. Yeah, Geiger counter is uh, obviously. Yeah, well done on the old uh, uranium. I mean, it's uh, well. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's the nuclear play, isn't it? Yeah, but from forty. I mean, right. my, uh, it's moving on. It's my, my portfolio. I mean, I've bought quite a few stocks this year. 
and just about every single one, all the new, new new positions I've picked up have gone down. I just you just got to accept mm-hmm. it. I, I went into the plays, you know, to, to the investments with a three to five year time horizon, except that things go down regularly. You know, my stocks go down big positions mm-hmm. by 50, 60 percent. I mean, just give you an indication, you know, Kreschik did it, you know, during the pandemic, it went down 50 percent. I lost yeah. a big, big number on it. And then it came out really well. Equals likewise went down not by fifty percent but by thirty percent and that's done really really well. I've had many and then the other one I've owned in you know, a big what a big position I've had over the years was was Blanco and uh, you know that one that one went I lost fifty sixty percent on that at one stage more than that seventy eighty percent and I, and then it got taken out. So I, I think if you if you've got the fundamentals right then you can you can you can actually live yeah. through the you know the ups and the downs and sometimes the downs can be pretty pretty steep but that's just part and parcel of small and micro cap investing and uh once you get that flush out the capitulation phase that's when the game starts that's when it's really interesting <laughs> you, get, yeah. you get payback <laughs> and you can happen well, quite often. yeah i know let's let's hope that that's happening because it's uh it's been a painful two years so you know, yeah. and, and, you know this is um generally you know a, a year 18 months is um is you know it's the length of a bear market and now we got uh what we got sort of how many months is it what 758 days you know mm. so it's um it's it literally oh yeah 26 months isn't it basically yeah, yeah I know. Look at the, so you can, you know, to there, to there, and you can see it's, uh, yeah, 758 days down 47%. That's a long, that's a long mm. time, you know, it's, uh, uh, for a bear market. So just historically going back, if you look at, you know, the industry go back as long as you go back, that's quite long. So even mm. on that measure, we do a bounce and a rally uh, in the next couple of Oh, months. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I want to just to put on the um on the baby in the bathwater watch list, yeah. Yeah. It's a reasonable size aim stock, okay, which has got quite a lot of liquidity. So I just want to raise it for investors. It's learning technology group. Okay. okay. So stick yeah. stick the chart on there. It still looks go it's in a downtrend to me. What is it? LTG. The LTG uh, yeah. still looks a bit yeah. I think it's about a five hundred million market cap business. So we're talking it's quite a lot of liquidity here. Yeah. I think well, do it you is. Know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Five hundred thirty million. So, yeah, yeah. and there's plenty of shares traded each day. So, this isn't a difficult one to get into, right? And, and people would say that's a classic head and shoulders. What it does on the fundamentals, okay? It's probably a best-in-class digital corporate training and talent development platform, and it's got it covers all bases, all the way, you know, from transformational sort of like, you know, employees, re-engagement and, uh, you know, moving them into AI and teaching and all this sort of stuff, um, all the way through to to recruitment. And it does it from a platform basis, i.e. since it's got quite a lot of software. I actually, I was actually an investor with one of their companies they bought back in about 2016, 17 net dimensions. And that was a high quality business, a lot in regulated areas where, you know, people always need to be trained and updated, things like, you know, mining and uh, and safety and mission critical stuff. But they also do this really big picture sort of, you know, enterprise-wise transformation. Not surprisingly, as the economy's come off, people have got worried that some of these, the, the, the discretionary, you know, work is going to be actually moving to the right because corporates cut their, you know, cut their cloth. That's about 30% of the business. About 70% is high high value recurring um, uh, revenues. And uh, they make overall, I think it's about uh, 16, 17% EBIT margin. So it's highly profitable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's trading. And I can't remember how much it's trading on. Let me have a quick look at the system now, just as a price at 67p. 
I've got a PE ratio for it of roughly around about uh, about 11 times, but it's an EV EBITDA of about five or six <clears throat> for this year, um, which historically is really cheap. And it's and it, for this year, it, it's, its cash flow yield is six and a half percent, going up to next year about 12 percent. So it's it's frankly, when it comes to valuation. And it's sort of like best in class on digital learning on the fundamental side. It looks like a potential opportunity. But when you look at it on the yeah. chart there, no, you know, know. when you look at it on the chart, you see that's still as sick as a parrot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, what you want is for a start to break the 50 day moving average, then break previous highs, which would have been mm. sort of 89, 90 pence. Now it's, it's gone down again, broken down again. And so you just need it to form a base somewhere because it's, it's still in a bit of a downtrend. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll give you an indication yeah. on value. Okay, this yeah. is a it trades at about five or six, well, about about less than less than five times EBITDA for next year. Accenture, yeah, who mm. do sort of corporate transformations and uh, you know training and all this sort of stuff, they're on about ten to twelve times EBITDA. Okay, you could mm. see them just buying this one straight out of it. You know, no problem. Yeah. So it's I, I don't own it. It's liquid, and all I would say it does have good technology you know on board to leverage and it does seem to have a bit of a platform my my only question is you know if we go through a really tough downturn how much of that recurring revenue stream the 70 percent, will still stay recurring and still stay there um and that's one that's one question the other question it comes down to is what the gross margins they don't report gross margin because they're a people services business and mm -hmm. therefore they just do the the ebit margin but Given their EBIT margin is is 15, 16, 17 percent, then it means that it's they've got that scalability. Um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to put it out there because I think it's quite an interesting thing that people might want to have a look at as a yeah. uh, as a heads up. But the chart doesn't look good, and you'd no. say, okay, one of the, one of the key things they need to do is reduce their debt. I think the debt is about okay. one point four, one point five times EBITDA, but they are highly yeah. cash generative, so that should come down quite rapidly over the next eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, put, uh, you know, I just, if I like the company fundamentally with the chart, as I just put a, an alert on the chart. You know, I'll get an alert when it crosses 50 moving average or breaks a new high. And it's quite easy to do that. But I mean, a company I like this, who's mid -cap. Okay, okay. Just before we move on that one, on. then, Justin, you do that. You, every, when, when, yeah. when you when you think that chart looks okay. good, let me know, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll use yeah. this as a case study, all right? Yeah, yeah. okay. So, listen, I'll do a, a crossing. I just, there. And then, LTG and then when it does, we can basically terms. talk about it because uh, yeah. then we'll have the yeah. fundamentals and the and the and the um, technicals aligning. Because I, I do think it's very cheap for a high quality stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even there, so it's dumped down there, and that support it arose mm. up, got down, then it dropped down again, and now that that support there is obviously a little bit of resistance. So even given above that level, sixty eight, it's not far off. They're okay, mm. that's nice if it closes above that. That's quite a nice sign because uh, it's not going to be lower. Then it needs to just make its way up a bit more, you know. Um, coming out like mid cap, but wise, and again, sold off, no debt, um, a bit of a darling. Team 17, which is a gaming company, mm. they came up with a. I mean, look where they've come from. Debbie Beswick, who's a sort of CEO, stepped down a while back. But nevertheless, it's a very good company and very whatever. I mean, I, I, I can bring up this spreadsheet of their the fundamentals. But again, they've just been sold off massively. All gaming companies have. And yet, they come up with a trading update. And I was looking at the support there. The trading update came out. It was in line with expectations. 
broke down again. I think, well, there we are, just getting cheaper. So that's why I quite like looking at charts. I mean, fundamentally, I'll keep an eye on it. And then if it, if it goes down further, I don't have to start it. Well, it's just getting cheaper. It's fine. I don't mind that, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but Team 17, worth looking at. It's a quality company. And uh, again, you one, get lots one, of just sold off. Yeah, know? one thing about all, and I, I don't know whether it's appropriate for Team 17, one thing about all sort of like video publishers and developers that people should be aware of, there's two things, okay? Yeah. Clearly, they had their sort of like you know day in the sun during the lockdown when people just wanted gaming, okay. And now they're yeah. they're not they're not gaming as much. But all, but also the big sort of platforms that they get revenue from for selling their games through Google, Microsoft, Apple, are now taking a bigger slunk of the royalties of that percentage sales value of yeah. those you know basically th- those publishers. So there's the the economics are shifting more towards the platforms that sell it. Um, and also what you're getting is as such that you've had a huge supply injection of new um, new content, new video games has reduced. You've had, it's that classic, you've got massive supply of video games and less actual demand. So mm-hmm. you, the cost of, a, of buying a video game or playing a video game is a lot less than it was during the lockdown. Yeah. So you have got the, some of the fundamentals for the, vi- you can see why the fundamentals for the video game industry are actually challenged at the moment because there's a huge supply, less demand, and more royalties being taken by the platforms to, to sell it on to the to, 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 yeah. to users. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the results. You know, this is my spreadsheet of the results. Essentially, this, this side here. I mean, the market cap. You know, forty-five million in cash, mm. no debt, pretty much operating cash flow twenty-seven million. Uh, the the growth wise, you know, top line thirty-one, but you know, operating profit went down by thirty percent. Net profit went down, mm. but uh, value sales, PE, you know, EV EBITDA eleven, but nevertheless, healthy wise, you know, cash went down a little bit. Net cash that, um, but momentum is good. The broker forecasts are good uh, again. There is wrong. There's momentum here, pretty much. I mean, there is worry about the gaming sector, but yeah. a, as, as within the gaming sector, it's a very healthy company worth looking yes, at. Yes, it is. And, and I agree. The, you know, it is. Yeah, yeah you've chosen yeah. a good one there. You've chosen yeah. top-notch business. I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, do the same for that for, for both learning, learning tech, yeah. and for um, yeah, and team team seventeen. Marvelous stuff. Thanks very much for that, Paulie. And uh, we'll, sp- in fact, Nick, I did say I was going to talk about a new stock. Uh, I will in two weeks' time. It's a bit more time, but I do. I, I'm so excited about it. Um, <laughs> literally, it's small, it's got scale, it's got something special, and it's a, it's operating in very big, you know, money filled markets with, you know, huge, in fact, the biggest uh, customers with deepest pockets. And um, it's got something very special, I think. So uh, I'll talk about that in two weeks' time. Wow. Yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. The Vox Markets Podcast with Justin Waite. Nothing in this podcast is intended as investment advice and the people in this podcast may hold positions in the stocks they talk about. Do not buy anything based solely on a tip or recommendation. Please do your own research. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.